Chambers of Walking Buffalo Singers. All right. Do we know how to bring it or what? That's what I'm talking about. You know, that's one thing they couldn't stand. Well, one of many. But they couldn't stand the sight of us. They couldn't stand the sound of our drums. They couldn't stand the sound of our prayers. But yet we remain. Tonight's guest... We are very honored here at Indigenous Power Hour Activism, but in a tribal radio, we are honored as relatives. Tonight's guest is Isaac Murdoch, and let's get into it. 
Yes, please. Um, I, th let me introduce myself. My name is Wei Yu Aniha Nguyen. That is respected woman or woman with respect. Oh, um, nice. Yes, it was um, given to me by Myron Long Soldier. Um, yes, thank you. Pilamia. Um, I am also known as Indy 41. That's the first lady of indigenous hip hop and um, also known as April. And I am greeting you from the lands of the Lakota, the Pawnee, the Ponca, the Omaha, the Cheyenne, and Fox and Sauk tribes. Oh, nice. Welcome, Welcome to Intertribal Radio, and this is the Power Hour Activism Show. And, you know, what a guest we have today, you know. Um, please introduce yourself. Oh, Ani, bonjour. Mazanapkin Gagornabe and Disnikaz. Ganebe Gukshibigaj Wat, Minwaganabajing and Donjaba. Gnoje and Do Damanishnabe Nini and Dow Nunkiajbikong and Da. On Gitchin and Damyayamam P. Giganon and Guk. Giken Mana Nick. Gawin we ka. Gidanaknagewananan. Metegog. Wessiwag. My name is Isaac Murdoch. I am from the Fish Clan. I come from a place that's called where the serpents are painted on the rocks. My name is the man who paints the rocks. And I am Ojibwe, and I currently live at Nimki Ajbikong. And it's a great honor to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to speaking with you. That was, I don't know, but um, the hair is standing up on <laughs> my arms, my body. And I thank you for bringing your spirit forward. Wow, very powerful. And, um, you know, usually... Um, music, you know, hearing the drum, um, you know, that gives some of our relatives a reminder. You know, I've personally seen our, you know, our beings, you know, cry just hearing it. And I have too, but wow, that was very powerful. And, you know, that's that, um, that's the truth. That is the vibration of truth right there. Palamia. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, let's talk about... <laughs> go ahead and share with our listeners, um, you know, because I know you are very well known. Um, but, you know, there are relatives that may not know who you are and what better person to give a description of who you are, but you, 
you know? Right. Well, I'm a dad. Uh, I'm a grandpa. I have four children and seven grandchildren. I have a beautiful partner named Shannon. And I am in the middle in the middle ages of my life. And I live in the forest. So I live out in the bush. So several years ago, maybe about four years ago, I left uh, the reserve to go live in the forest, off the reserve. And we started to build a, a village out here. And the reason why we wanted to build the village was to really focus on the revitalization of our language, our land-based activities, and to connect our young people with our elders so that we can, you know, continue that beautiful way of life that, that our people have. And so right now we have, you know, several houses. We have... Uh, we just built our, our community center. We have great big lodges here. It's a very beautiful place. I'm also an author. Um, I wrote a book called Nana Buju and Other Creation Stories. I am a, uh, a newly fresh, right off the press musician where I just released my first album. Um, I'm a storyteller. I'm a visual artist. Um, I'm a water and land protector. Um, and so those are, you know, the, I guess this, this whole, this whole experience is just a way of life. You know, I could never have a real regular job. Um, cause I felt that it would get in the way of doing my, my passion work or my life's calling. And so I've always felt that, you know, protecting the land and waters and, you know, detrenching from colonization was very, very important. You know, our... You know, we come from the land. This is where we come from. And we have to start picking up, turning around and picking up what was what was uh, forced away from us. You know, and it's very important to reclaim our language, to reclaim who we are and to never let go. You know, and so, you know, cultural revitalization has been, been a, a big part of my life. You know, when I was five years old, uh, you know, me and my brothers, Mike, Frank, and Scott, we were taken away by Indian agents. And uh, when they took our my my brothers away, my mother was crying and screaming. And I remember uh, the police were holding her down. The RCMP were holding her down, the Mounties. And she was kicking and screaming, and they were throwing us in this van. And it was really chaotic. And uh, the van sped off, but they didn't realize that my youngest brother was hiding underneath the van. And they ran him over. Oh, my. And I remember the the van, you know, going thump, thump. And, and uh, I remember looking back 
and seeing my my brother uh you know in a fetal position uh moaning and and he was only three years old oh, would you mind um honoring him and saying his name his name is francis day and he's still alive he survived oh. wow he's permanently he's permanently disabled but he's he's alive wow Wow. There was always a sense in my mind that, you know, the government wanted us to, to be on the reserves. They created these boundaries and they forced us into these boundaries so that we would be contained. We were known as the Indian problem. We were a free people. I remember lots of times growing up in the bush where we we traveled freely amongst the lands and we never had a garbage can. You know, we had our own government. We had our own, our own, we had our own spiritual laws. We had our own economy. We had our own education, our own language. You know, we had our own healthcare system. You know, it was a beautiful life. But we were known as the Indian problem because we were free. And so they used the Indian Act to contain the indigenous people, remove them from their lands. And then, of course, contain them on the reserve where they could be filtered into colonization through residential schools or through uh, foster homes or whatever. And, you know, or, or education systems so that we'd never return back to the land because the government's plan was always to have full control of our lands and have a free-for-all in resource extraction, which they did, which has caused a... Caused, uh, a massive ecological collapse. And so the poverty, um, the, you know, the eradication of our people um, was working in tandem with the destruction of our lands at the same time. And so as our people start to rise up and start to, to, to fight back, we're noticing that E the ecology is being protected. And so there is no difference between, you know, our people and the land itself. We are one and the same. And so that's, why, and that's why I felt it was so important to be a part of this, this you know, this effort of, of building this, this community called Nimki Ajbikong, which means Thunder Mountain, because that's where we live. And to, you know, really focus on the rekindling of all of our old ways, you know, because it's so important. Absolutely. We are, you know, who you are today and who I am and everyone else who we are today is, you know, um, all those ancestors that, you know, are within, within us you know, um, I don't know if you know of Kristen McKay. She's an um, uh, artist, a singer, you know, uh, she, she says um, country alternative, you know, but she is a, an indigenous sister um, from, you know, up that way, up north. See, I, I try not to refer to it as Canada. You know, I'm right. not with with the false borders and that false domination, you know, so just it'll be the relatives to the north. Um, I am Sichangu Lakota. 
and come from, you know, Rosebud or Sichangu, you know, which is the, I believe, the 40 prisoner of war camp, number 44. And, you know, it takes a system to keep a system in place. And I never understand the mm, urge to push our relatives into enrolling, you know, because, you know, once here, you know, at least here, um, you become, you know, your, your status turns into prisoner of war status. You know, know, that's very true. You know, like the, the reserve system is based on poverty politics. And so the government, you know, um, dishes out a, a programs and services economy for for some people on the reserve and you know but just like programs that that run for a year or six months and and you know the leadership has to keep lobbying for money has to keep writing proposals and so it's a trap so you, you people on the reserve don't want to get rid of it because that's that's their economy and so you know this this style of control has is not new. I mean, can I say something um, about that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree. In in my mind, I, what I see for one, okay, and I'm not trying to take this off subject, but I'll bring it all back. I promise. You know the task of okay, so. We're talking inner city, you know, so with the, um, you know, the different um, classes, you know, of living, you know, but the, you know, the, the low income, you know, low resource, you know, there is that, you know, imaginary, you know, line border or whatever between the classes and, um, you know, there's always that task of just you know, of life or death, you know, of just walking to the corner store or the threat to life with how the police interact with our, you know, young men, you know, and especially where I'm speaking to you from, I'm speaking from Nebraska, you know, and we have a high rate of, you know, this is the in just recent, the where Zachary Berryhills unfortunately lost his life by four Omaha police officers. And then Micah Taylor, who is was only 21, so we're just talking two years ago, the um, authoritative um, or the expert witness in Zachary Berryhills' case was a 19-year veteran. And um, he also shot Micah Taylor in the back of his neck three times. And because he lived, they gave him 31 to 50 years. And so it is a part of the threat to life for the life expectancy of our young men, of young indigenous men. It's, it's part of why they die so, and their lifespan isn't so long. And so I, 
I'm, I'm, I'm learning right now. I'm learning a lot. Um, in my personal journal, I am one of the task force members of the MMIW, you know, the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Task Force, as well as, rel- I mean, I don't limit it. I say are, I say relatives, but um, that right there, I've noticed too that there are visual triggers to keep our people scared. Like what I was just talking about, just the task of going to the corner, you know, going through with that poverty, you know, and, and not leaving the reservation, you know, it's that fear tactic, you know, and I, 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 you know, of course they put us in barren so-called places, you know, they thought that of where I come from, you know, and, and daily trucks are being, you know, hauled out of the resource in the Black Hills that we have no access to, you know? And it's, then then we have the relatives that have found comfort in, in the poverty and, you know, in the conditioning and the assimilation and, you know, and it's it's time for, us to remember to remember, you know, that um, enrollment number isn't nothing but a tracking device. And my understanding, those type of things are only given to the most, in, you know, dangerous. Let's keep it real. You know, we are a strong people and it's time to remember who we are and remember those ways that you were just speaking on and even just what you just described that is that hand to handouts, right? That we need to draw back, you know, the ones that have gotten comfortable with res- reservation life, you know, um, and create that um, self sufficiency, you know, w- with what you talked about with what you've established going into the bush. You know, it's not difficult. You know, as people think it is to not live, you know, depend, you know, so what they say is off the grid, you know, it's, it's, it's not, and it's time. Don't you agree? I totally agree. You know, that, that system that we're talking about, it's a very, very, you know, um, devious system. And, because of the intergenerational effects of residential school and environmental destruction, right? Right. I mean, that's that's been linked to missing and murdered Indigenous women and two-spirited people. That's been linked to the high number of, of imprisonment for Indigenous people. That's also linked to the high suicide rates of, of Indigenous children. That's also linked to the massive, you know, uh, apprehension apprehension rates of children so i mean i mean there's systemic issues that have been purposely created by the government to make sure that if we're not going to go away that we're going to be living in a state of crisis and and so you know for myself i'm i'm one of the only ones i think in you know where i come from 
that was successfully able to get out of the Indian Act without enfranchising. And so I don't believe in the Indian Act at all. And I don't believe in their citizenship laws. I don't believe in the whole election system. I think it's a bunch of bunk because it's not real. And so when you look at the implications of these systems, I mean, there are are life and death consequences for participating in these systems. And Absolutely. So we, and so I think that, you know, part of the awareness is that we have to say, hey, look, like, let's get real. Like, th- these systems were made by white supremacists. You know, that I mean, at the time these policies were made, we were less than human. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was so effective here that they started using it in South Africa to control the blacks. Right, right. And my, I mean, it, even yeah. the etymology of the word Indian, just the Latinist uh, etymology is no contract. You know, and so, yeah, we were um, referred to as alien. And technically, if you are enrolled, you are prisoner of war. And that's what I don't understand. First of all, no one's vote here in the United States has mattered since 1933 when the Electoral College was put in place. So it, it for them. And then to take it to the actual date, so-called Indi- you know, Indians got the right to vote. We're talking over 30-year difference, you know? And if we want to even, you know, go in, in further, you know, even... Um, so the reference is, is either slave, Indian, or alien, or technically prisoner of war. And so I don't even understand when they get to encouraging for us to go vote. Oh, the native vote. How is that? It, no one's vote matters. Not me. And the last time I knew alien, Indian, slave, POW had no right. So that's just a ritual, you know, act of the not independence, but the cooperation with the corporate. It's, you know, and so yeah. I don't understand. Uh, I'm my where my awakening is in all of this is um, seeing past. You know what is, the agenda is? They're advertising. Okay, and one of those examples I could give you quickly is um, the one at um, where the Rushville right outside of Pine Ridge, you know, that here I'm thinking, oh, we're we're trying to stop our the alcoholism there because that little town, you know, was for all the alcohol distributors in the United States was the highest, um, you know, money being made there. And that little town probably don't have more than, I think, maybe 30 people in it. So here, you know, the advertised agenda was, uh, you know, at least what I thought it was, was about stopping alcohol being sold there. And now the reality ended up being that the indigenous just wanted the right 
to sell alcohol to their own. So that's really what it was about, you know? And that's the part in my awakening that I am is, is seeing through the advertised, you know? It's a, yeah. It takes a system to keep a system in place. Well, this, the system is designed, I think, that it actually never makes you ready to leave it. You know, so it keeps you in, in habitual crisis and in habitual need. So you never leave it. It's almost like, you know, this system was actually also used in, in Germany. So in Germany, Hitler also used uh, parts of of the uh, the Indian Act um, in Germany. And when you look at the the Jewish the Jewish the, the Holocaust cards for the Jewish people, you look yeah. at the tribal African cards for that that were issued in South Africa, and you look at the BIA cards and the Canadian Indian Act cards. They're all they, they all look the same, and they're all based on blood quantum. And so the only ones that are that are left are the ones here in, and in the states, so called states. And so there's there's still an active genocide against Indigenous people for their lands. And so I think it's really important to recognize that that you know people want traditional government people want you know more holistic and sustainable economies people want to be able to have you know autonomy over their bodies and over their their lands and you know it's so important that we break away from these destructive colonial um, structures and to start to build the things that we want instead of trying to tear down the things that we don't want so um, where we left off, um, what I was going to tell you is the reason why I had um, brought Kristen into the conversation is because um, one thing that resonated with me in a conversation that we had is that she says when anything she does, you know, if it's perform or if it's speak or, you know, even rising for each day, you know. Um, she prepares herself and asks that her 10,000 grandmothers come with her, you know, in each walk. And, you know, that to me, it really resonated because it also, you know, it made me, it made my um, idea of what, solidarity means and what the strength of numbers really poses you know because i believe that this suppression and this system all this ends in my mind when we when we say it does you know because we're not the minority we are the majority and that lack of solidarity that we have you know it it isn't no more simpler than this, no matter who, who, you know, if I'm talking, um, you know, the over 570 some federally recognized tribes, you know, that we'll just say recognized, you know, you know, there's far more nations than that, you know, but even our, um, you know, our other relatives, you know, 
um, and allies, I guess you could say, just if we could agree just simply on freedom and sovereignty, you know, that solidarity alone, you know, standing for that could erase, you know, this divide. You know, this is tyranny. What this system of oppression does. You know? Yep. Well, you know, what's so what's so amazing about that concept is that, you know, we're viewed as a minority, but they don't see the ancestors that are with us. And also not just that, but just think of the, the tree nations, the buffalo, the moose, the deer, the antelope, all of the plants, you know, and all of their relatives that have gone on. Those are with us too. This land, the, the, the spirit of this land, this great force of nature is also with us. And so, you know, when we all figure a way to unite all of that together, then, then we become a great force of medicine for society. And I don't think that's something that we, you can't fight to get that. How you get it, I believe, is by letting go of the colonial chains and picking up this this other magic, this other beautiful. And if we want to leave a better world for the future, then we've got to start creating beautiful. You know, I mean, I grew up fighting. My parents grew up fighting. My, I come from a long line of warriors. You know, um, so I I know what it's like. You know, to have uh, snipers all over you. And, but there's also a, a great power when we build our lodges and we when we start detaching from the colonial structures and start building our people up outside of the system. There's power in that. There's great medicine in that. And so I don't have to spend my time tearing down colonial systems because I have so many, you know, beautiful systems that we have to rekindle. And when we build those up, those other systems will will fade away. They won't be there because we'll we'll be we'll be free in our mind and our hearts. And you know, I believe that like you said, when we unite, there's what can stop us? Nothing. And so right now we're we're in climate change, you know, we're suffering an ecological collapse. And you know, we have a great responsibility to each other and to the earth to, you know, pull it together and work together. I mean, these, these, you know, these rights-based agendas are driving me crazy. Like, we all have a responsibility at this point, you know. And it just seems like, like right now, people are, a lot of people are stuck. But there is an awakening. There is a group of people that's growing larger and larger by the second. And that's land and water protectors. And these are primarily indigenous led movements that are protecting the earth. And not just here, but, but all over the world. 
you know, Kweag Nagani Wad, you know, Magarazawat, Ezri Buck And it's the women that are leading this, this fight all over the earth. And so we have to empower our women to take their rightful places. You know, and it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to to uh, to oppress or to make less than any of our people. We all have to come together, you know, at equal terms. Because Absolutely. you know, the, the women have a, a have a they're the medicine that's going to you know probably save everything. And so you know, I think it's important that we recognize that, that even two-spirited people and, you know, all of thems and, and the theys out there, you know, they have a, an incredible gift to offer. And right now it's very male-dominated within society. And as Indigenous people, I think we have to, to lead by example. And that means that us Indigenous men have to make space for for you know women and others because that's I, where we're gonna we're gonna make big differences i uh, wow Th that has been my conversation you know i uh told you you know that i have a big carrying first lady of indigenous hip-hop you know i my my career began in 99 in that you know in that part of my life and um, you know, there's always the talk of land back, land back, but I believe where we need to start at is calling the spirit back for one and our men, especially, you know, because, um, the, the spirit, um, isn't it, it has fallen for many and has left many and our men need to remember to protect her and to be fathers and to be men and um like especially in the genre of music that i do it's very male dominated but so is every and all that domination does is impede the medicine that woman brings and that's the thing with this colonization is that it places woman in bondage, you know, and woman has a job too. And, you know, and that is the belief that healing, but we can't do it without our men. You know, that's how, you know, role reversals got, you know, changed. You know, women head of households, you know, and, and no male presence, you know. Women cannot teach men how to, or boys to be men. They can teach women how to be women. But that ultimately that responsibility of boy to man is man. And, you know, we do have to call that spirit back before we can claim back land medicine bundles all of that but you know we need it all back we need every spirit of what makes us 
us, what makes us First Nation. And um, you're right, absolutely right. We have to build one another up. And um, I think what you said is very powerful, very truthful, that we have to start because even with each of the things that are oppressing us or, you know, endemic, um, where does it begin? You know, it begins with us. And here's the funky numbers. 65% of the issues of MMI are, are domestic. So that's us on us. You know, yes, there is a serial killer out there, I believe, targeting indigenous women because, you know, we did have um, a predator identified um, who was attending MMI functions in AIM gear and had absolutely nothing to do with AIM or anything. And so this gentleman was showing up at MMIW events, you know, going after either the women of the, you know, attending or targeting, you know, the, the woman bringing, you know, the event. We've also had known um, uh, extortionists targeting uh, MMIW families like up in Northern California, you know, with um, contacting them with false information about their loved ones, but ultimately extorting them for, you know, values, valuables, you know, money, whatever it is, you know. And then we have, you know, also these, groups representing MMI, W and R, whatever, you know, um, with, um, you know, ha having uh, fake medicine, bringing, pipe, making pipe ceremonies, you know, uh, and events. And it just, it's as if we already didn't have enough going on, you know, that is one of the dangers that I had to teach my children and my grandchildren is the dangers of being indigenous, you know, male or female, you know. I'm tired of not thriving, you know, just in that survival mode, you know, that traumatic mode, you know, and the only way... I believe is to start with us, build up our own, uh, look after our own, teach our own, you know, keep those traditions, those oral traditions, you know, and because, you know, that was something, um, you know, I'm the relocation act um, generation, you know, here, um, you know, they either sent them to California, to San Diego, or they sent them to Colorado, you know, for different uh, uh, Texas, you know, different trades, you know, so like nursing landed you in Colorado, um, you know, different trades landed you in different areas of uh, what, you know, here. It, uh, to me, it's Turtle Island, and I and I say it all the time. This is 
Turtle Island. I remind relatives in that we are um, on, you know, this is Unsi Maka, you know. Um, there's a lot that, you know, can be done, but it does, it begins with us. And even, you know, what you've established, that's the next, I believe, besides, you know, first being calling our spirit back, you know, is, um, you know, because for one, no one can own the land. No one has, we didn't own the land. You know what I mean? We were our keepers of the land. And here in Nebraska, where I live, is where the second largest aquifer is. And that being the true spirit, you know, of, of the life of water, you know, that's a feminine um, spirit, you know, when it, it comes from below. My understanding is it became male when it came from above, you know? And so um, we are children of of the earth, you know? And we have been, whether it's, you know, just mankind description, because, you know, human being, people don't understand that the etymology of the word human being and its Latinist origin means animal, you know, but as being star beings, you know, we too have participated in the destruction, you know, and that um, we are the most of all creators' creations. We are the selfish, the most selfish. We give nothing back. We take, we take, we take, but we, we never give it back. And it's time to remember all the way through, you know. Please, I'm sorry for uh, taking that moment, but um, I just, I wanted to be clear on why I brought, you know, uh, someone else into the conversation. You know, I just wanted to follow through on that Um um, and not get away from that. So um, please, would you please continue? Hello? No, I heard everything you said and it was... It was really spot on. And, you know, I remember as a child, uh, my mother was very active with missing and murdered Indigenous women. And she'd go along what was known as the Trail of Tears. We have one of those up here, too. Yes. And, it, and it's where uh, a, a number of women, Indigenous women, were murdered and dumped on the side of the highway. Or where they simply just vanished. And my mother would go there, and I was a kid, and we'd, and it was a long ways travel, you know, and we'd go there, and she would uh, search the ditches and, and, and the campsites and look in the garbage bags and, and stuff like this. Now, this is back in the 70s. And so she was active with this 
uh, you know, going on 40 years, you know, and when she was alive, she was, you know, helping lead a, gra- a grassroots movement. Um, you know, this was before MMIW was even a thing, right? Yeah. You know, so she was like on the ground. They were on, they, they never got funding. They, you know, they had bake sales and raffles and, and, uh, you know, they'd, they'd go on the streets and, you know, they would um, launch their own investigations trying to find the killers. And they were also thoroughly convinced that some of the killers were the cops themselves. Yeah. And, that, and so, and that, can I say yeah. something about that? Tie that back in together with what I was saying with the uh, domestic is... So who are those, you know, officers? The at least for here, those that are on that that are in on the res, they're indigenous too. At least yeah. here. So absolutely you know that they killed. You know yeah. what I mean? And you know, back to that 70s thing. That's about the time I, my advocacy began. It began with my birth because um, back in 73, um, my grandmother had to take my grandfather's life. And it's here in Nebraska, you know, they didn't, they didn't have, that wasn't going on back then. An indigenous, you know, a native woman, you know, killing a white man, you know, my grandma was found in self-defense, you know, and it's part of why Nebraska has no self-defense law, you know, and so that's when my advocacy in MMIW began because I was born right after, um, that took place, you know, but my grandmother, she is, was the mother of 10 children and they didn't just hold her in jail. They held her in the, uh, York women's prison, you know, took her kids away and sent them to work ethic camps. And we were just right. Well, my family was, they weren't, they were just right outside of where Rosebud and uh, Pine Ridge is. And what people don't understand is um, Rosebud and Pine Ridge are actually, well, for sure, Rosebud is the 66th county in Nebraska. It's known as Cherry County, which is the largest. Now in South Dakota, it's Todd County. But those reservations are part of Nebraska too, you know? And so there's my grandma, you know, having to fight for her life. And, you know, one day I went and researched the, the article, you know, because that's what I grew up hearing often is about that incident that took place within my family, you know, because she was protecting at that time, seven children. You know, so they witnessed their father and mother, you know, and that's what's 
tells my story and how I got involved. Um, but that's what I grew up with. And so I'm the oldest of the grandchildren, the firstborn, you know, and that's always when my mom and her sisters would get to drinking or feeling depression or that's all, that's the story I was retold and retold and retold, you know? And so part of my speech with my, my children and my grandchildren, you know, is, is that story there, you know, about just how dangerous it is, you know, to, to be us, you know? And so, oh, yeah, I understand well, that. I totally, I totally understand, you know, and, and I'll end with this. You know, I think that right now there is, you know, a massive movement where people are understanding things in a way that they didn't understand things before. And, you know, things are a lot less confusing than they used to be. And because people are going back to their cultural ways, they're going back to ceremonies, and they have been for quite some time, you know, there's there's generations of young people that have got this all figured out. And so right? yeah, the intergenerational trauma is, is lessening. And what we're finding is that there's this amazing group of young people, you know, with beautiful ideas that are building each other up, that are smart, that are, you know, for full on culture. And, you know, they're environmentalists, they're, they're, you know, just rock stars, in my opinion. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of hope and that there's a lot of, of good things that are to come because of all of the sacrifice and the hard work that so many people have done, you know, in the past. How many times, how many Sundances were, were held just for, for young people, you know? There's too many to count. You know, there's too, you know, how many people fasted and prayed for the waters? There's too many to count. I remember, you know, back in South Dakota, 30, 35 years ago, they were sun dancing for that aquifer down there. Well, you know, when COVID got started, you know, there were, there were, you know, allies as well as relatives mentioning hearing the drums and you know there and they could hear the medicine they could hear the men singing and that's what i don't understand right now with the discovery of our boarding school babies i you right. know i see it every day i'm like gentlemen why don't i hear you know the drums each of those babies deserve a warrior's welcome you know because what when 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 that been a part of the process if we were welcoming one home or we lost one you know where where i come from like every year we held ceremonies at the residential school for those kids that were missing yeah. and and you know and every year we we went there and had feast and i'll tell you a little story my grandfather um you know who would never talk about his days at residential school he was you know, severely abused at the residential school. So he never talked about it. And you couldn't get him to talk about it. But one day we went to that old building. And, you know, he took a, a piece of stone from the building. 
and he took a, a an old wooden beam and he took that beam it was probably about three feet long we went back to his place and he made a chanupa oh out of that oh. residential school oh wow and he, we went back to the residential school we smoked it he didn't say a word until he, and then he dug a hole in the ground and he and he filled that pipe up and he buried it filled up with tobacco he oh said, my god and he said that's for all the kids that that are that you know that got murdered here that's for all the kids that went missing here he says you know when i was a boy i used to look out the window and i used to see them burying kids you know under coal oil lamps in the middle of the night he'd say and this is for them and so there's there's restorative justice that happens you know just naturally there's natural consequences for things and so you know i believe that our people are really connected and you know and we have a lot of work to do and so i think we need to get together and we need to empower each other we need to keep uplifting each other and doing everything in our power to to make the world better not just for our kids and and their kids but for the animals for the plants you know we can we can do this and so with that i, I want to thank you so much for taking the time with me today and it's been an honor to be on your show thank you and i was be um before we close how about you introduce your song that you brought with us or brought with you you know so, so i wrote a song called here to stay and it's an, it's in commemoration of all my mother's work that she did for missing and murdered indigenous women and she'd often say you know they never took those those women away from us they're still here with us in spirit she'd say and that that you know the power of the women cannot be cannot be defeated and so I, I wrote a song based on on her her thoughts and her ideas and it's and it's called here to stay and it's about how um this this you know really bad person you know has taken the lives of of some women but yet at the same time the families have taken their power back or this family's taken their power back and said she's still with us here and that's something you can never take and so that's what my mother used to say all the time was that yes they can take our bodies but they can never take our spirits and so that's what the song is about thank you and again palamia thank you for um sharing with us um you your time and your spirit and we are truly honored on how i'll get you miigwech thank you very much everybody thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you again soon It was a long and lonely night She fought with all her might Her spirit starts to roam The sunlight takes her home The 
sunlight takes her home Spirits all around Preparing sacred ground She's staring at the sky And then begins to fly And then begins to fly You never took nothing away She's here with us to stay Her smile, her laugh, her love It leads the way Every day She's here to stay Here to stay She's here to stay
relatives, I just want to say that it was an honor and a blessing with Isaac Murdoch stopping by, sharing his, you know, knowledge, sharing him, you know, and him bringing forth his warrior, you know. I encourage all of you relatives to, you know, take inventory, look around, see where you're sitting. Because the conversation's different when you sit with warriors. Remember to remember. Hey, yo.
Hey yo, 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 hey yo